we are so thankful to be back again together because as the Bible say, let us not forsake our assembling together because we believe that there is power when we come together. That's a sacrifice that we give to the Lord. Sacrifice of time, sacrifice of focus, attention we give to Him. And this month, we will focus and talk about family because this is one of the things that God is going to restore because before He's coming back again. He wants to restore families. And even as this year's theme from our senior pastor is about becoming a light, we pray that each and our family, each one of them will become a light. We reflect the light of God wherever we are. It's not our light, but it's God's light who dwells inside of us. He is the one who shines through our family, through our lives. So today we will look at family's blessings. God has so much to give to us. And God is the one who instituted uh, family. He created man and woman to make a unity which is called family. And this is to represent the unity that is in the Father, in the Son, and in the Holy Spirit. By we living in the family, we learn how to be one. Sometimes it's not easy, right? Even though husband and wife, we used to say, I love you, I love you. But in the working out of it, it's not easy to become one. But that's what God wants, that we become one. And we learn from family. That's the first place where we learn. So let's read today about one family that receiving God's blessing that stands out among the people that this family has the blessing of God. So this morning we will read from 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel 6 verse 1 until 12. I invite you to stand up together as we read these verses. 2 Samuel 6 from verse 1. David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baalai Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name of the Lord of hosts, who sits enthroned on the cherubim. And they carried the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, were driving the new cart with the ark of God, and Ahio went before the ark. 
And David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. And when they came to the threshing floor of Nakon, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah. And God struck him down there because of his error. And he died there beside the ark of God. And David was angry because the Lord had broken out against Uzzah. And that place is called Paris Uzzah to this day. And David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David was not willing to take the ark of the Lord into the city of David. But David took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. And the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. And it was told King David, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you. So we look at here, this is the story of uh, the desire that David had as a king at that time to seek out the ark of God. You know what happened? The ark was taken in the battle against the Philistines. So the Philistines took the ark of God. But when the Philistines housed the ark of God, they had so many troubles because God was breaking out in wrath against the Philistines. So finally, the Philistines returned the ark of God with the cart, with the oxen. And then the ox will just go to the Israelite region. So from that time on, the ark was in the house of Abinadab. So it's been a while in his house. So Abinadab has two sons, Uzzah and Ahio. So they've been so familiar with the ark of God. And we see here, the Lord is said in verse 2, He is being called by the Lord of hosts. So God mentioned His name as the God of the commander of the heavenly armies. That's the meaning of the Lord of hosts. So when we are face to face with the commander of the heavenly army, it's a serious matter, right? We cannot play games with God of the heavenly armies. And it says the Lord of hosts who sits Enthroned on the cherubim. So when you see the ark, there is the covering. And on the covering, there are two cherubim. So God is said as sitting enthroned on the cherubim. So the ark represents the presence of God himself. So that's how the Israelites know and learn to honor and respect the presence of God. 
And God says, my name, who is sitting on that ark, is the Lord of hosts. So David gathered a lot of Israelites, 30,000. And they were so joyful. They have music going on because they are so excited that the ark of God is coming back. They are planning to bring it to the city of David, to Jerusalem. But what happened in the midst of this joyful movement, joyful occasion, when the cart that is carrying the ark is shaken, stumbled, now Uzzah, who was walking at the back side, Ahio was on the front side. So these two brothers, they've been attending to the ark for some time. So they felt the obligation. They are the one who should guard this ark. They feel there is a familiarity with the ark of God. So one brother in front, the other brother at the back. And when the ox stumbling, now the one who is on the back, Uzzah, reach out his hand, trying to help with good intention, trying to save the ark. But what he's doing is an act of error, God says, in verse 7. It's an error, and when I check the word error, this is the only time they use this word in the Old Testament. There's no other place. This is the only place where this word is used. Because why it's error? The ark of God, it should not be put on the cart. If we follow the commandment of God, the ark of God should be uh, carried on the shoulder with stuff on it. And God says, be careful not to touch. So when they carry the ark, the ark is already being covered with leather. And God said, be careful not to touch the ark. Because the carrier are the Levites. Levites cannot touch the ark. Only the priests. So God says, be careful not to touch the ark lest you die. So this is God's commandment. If you want to carry the ark, you have to carry it on your shoulder. And don't even touch it. It's most holy thing. So Uzzah, in his error, because he felt he's been so familiar with the ark of God in his house, he had a good intention. But good intention doesn't justify us from transgressing the commandment of God. Even though we meant it, oh God, I meant it for good. But we don't follow God's commandment 
it's still a transgression. So because of that, Usa was struck down dead on the spot. And because what happened to Usa, the whole congregation become fearful. They say, oh no. All the joy suddenly stopped. They were so afraid. Even David himself, the king who used to know the presence of God. And David said, no, no, no. And it, when he said, David was angry. Sometimes we become angry without knowing that the error is on our side, right? And sometimes we become angry even to God. God, why you do this to me? God, why this happened? And we did not understand that we had done something that is wrong. So all those commotion at the time, all those joyful events suddenly stopped. And David said, I will not take this ark. This is so scary. I will not bring it into the city of David. Let's just put it in the house of Obed-Edom. But when it happened, the house of Obed-Edom was blessed because of the ark of God, because of the presence of God. So we see from this story, number one is about priority. I believe that all of us in our family, we want our family to be blessed, right? We want our children to succeed. We want the blessings of God. God provides all the needs in our family. But we need to understand from this story the truth of priority. Are the blessings that we seek is over the presence? Which one do we seek first? Do you seek blessings first? Or do you seek presence first? And God is showing us if you have the presence, the presence of God in your family, then you will have the blessing number two. But if you don't have number one, you cannot have number two. And many people, they come to seek God, they do a service to God because they think, I want the blessing of God. Once we accomplish our duty of, you know, serving God, we feel like, oh, my obligation is done. Not knowing that God is seeking the presence. You know, talking about presence, we can just picture somebody, let's say the president of the nation comes into your house. When the president, as long as he is in the house, you will act in honor of him, right? You will do everything in your daily life in honor of the president. So the same with the king of kings. Sometimes husband and wife, sometimes we have arguments. 
or maybe fightings, or the kids fightings. But when someone very important comes to the house, husband and wife will be, shh, shh, be quiet, stop. He's coming. The very important person is coming. Like just hold this, you know. They will stop the argument. They will stop the fighting in honor of the presence of the one who's coming. So the same, if we want the presence of God in our house, we want to make sure He has the things that are pleasing to Him. Just like the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the presence of God Himself. But if we grieve the Holy Spirit, no, I don't want. When the Holy Spirit is like speaking to us, come on, you have to forgive. Come on, stop your anger. Oh, I don't want. If we persist in our own way, then the Holy Spirit will move away. So the presence will leave. And in Psalm 63, verse 8, it says, My soul follows hard after you. Your right hand upholds me. David saying, My soul follows hard. Maybe some of you know when you have little kids and your little child going everywhere with you, like holding your shirt everywhere. That's following hard. Follow hard. And when I think about it, meditate on this scripture, for David to say, I follow hard after you, Lord. Well, that means he's really serious, chasing God. And even when he writes it down, my soul follows hard after you. Wow. Until someone can write it down. Just recently, we remember one of our friends, you know, the, the girl is quite pretty, but the man is, well, has some things that many people may not like. But the man, the guy is keep chasing after her, really follows hard after her. Finally, she became his wife. <laughs> The word follows hard is from the word dabak. It means to cling, stick, stay close, keep close, overtake and catch. So this is what God wants with us. The question for us, what are we following after? Hard. What are we pursuing in our daily life? Only us can answer. God knows our heart. What is our heart seeking after? If you seek after His presence, all your needs will be met by Him. And this word, you know, is being spoken by Moses many, many times. For one example, in Deuteronomy 
Deuteronomy 13 verse 4 You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear Him and keep His commandments and obey His voice And you shall serve Him and hold fast to Him Also in 10, 20, 11, 22, 30, 20 So Moses keep repeating the same thing again and again And this is, should strike us Moses is the one who is the mediator of all the laws. Maybe around 600 laws. But in spite of all those laws, Moses gets to the heart of the law. When you are being given hundreds and hundreds of laws, you either become, oh, that's too much. There's no way I can ever do all this law. Either we become discouraged, disheartened, or like Moses. Moses who has been face to face with God, he knows that the purpose of God's commandments is for us to get close to God. So Moses keep repeating to the people of Israel, I give you all these commandments so that you fear him, so that your heart will cling to God. That's the purpose. Moses get the heart of the law. Isn't that true when God says, all the commandments can be summarized into commands. Love God, love others. And even it can be summed up in love others. Because you cannot love others if you did not love God. So not only Moses, but Joshua, his disciples, also got the heart of the commandment. So once you seek the presence of God, you will know that all the things that God requires of you is your heart. God is after your heart. He is not after your pocket money. He is not after your service. If you serve Him, if you give offering, but your heart is far away from Him, it's not yet fulfilling the goal. And God says, if you do not cling to me, yeah, Moses warned the people of Israel, also Joshua, if you cling to your idols, you cling to the peoples of the nations, what happened? Sickness and diseases will cling to you. Wow, so this is an option that we have. Do we want to cling to God or we cling to others? If we cling to others, if our heart is clinging to the world, then sickness and diseases will cling to us. I believe God wants us to cling to Him. Amen. And the second one, Obed-Edom, is serving. Number two, how we have family blessings is to serve. Obed-Edom was a Levite. Most probably he was a Levite because his name was mentioned later that he was a gatekeeper in First Chronicles 15. Um, we don't have the PowerPoint yet. So what happened as we read before, 
All these people, because Uzzah died on the spot, they all become afraid, right? And King David said, okay, we put this ark in the house of Obed-Edom. Well, maybe Obed-Edom was afraid of the king. Okay, king, you can put it in, our, in my house. But nevertheless, maybe even if Obed-Edom was afraid of King David, he opened up his house. He accept the ark of God into his house. The ark that makes all the people fearful. And in verse 11, we read, The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom three months. And in this short three months' time, the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Obed-Edom was a Levite, so he knows what is required with the ark of God. He knew even by the death of Uzzah, you cannot just with good intention, with familiarity with the ark, and you do whatever you think is good. No, cannot. It has to be in accordance with God's command. So I believe during those three months, Obed-Edom sacrificed his time, sacrificed his resources to serve. And if, you know, serving comes from a heart of love, if you love someone, you will serve. That's what God wants. God doesn't want robots who just serve without a heart. Like in John 21, verse 17, Jesus said to Peter the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And Peter said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. So when Peter said three times, yes, Lord, I love you, I love you, I love you. God said, you feed my sheep. So God is telling, it's not only the pastor who feed the sheep, but each one of us. We have to feed the sheep of God. Who is the sheep of God in your care? Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's your friend. You have a caring heart for your friends. We know when they are in need, we pray for them. Maybe talk to them. So it's for every one of us. If we love God, we will start to serve. And the third one, the family blessings will manifest. The house of Obed-Edom was being shown to all the people that this house is being blessed, like in verse 12. And it was told King David, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. This is others saying of Obed-Edom's family. Now when God bless you, when God done something in your family, you don't need to brag about it. 
but it will manifest. People will see. This principle is being taught in Matthew. Matthew 7, 1, 7. Even so, every good tree brings forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree brings forth evil fruit. So, God says, if you want to know this tree is good, it's from the fruit. If the fruit is sweet, then the tree is good. If the fruit is sour, well, it's not really good. So the tree is known by its fruit. It will manifest, right? You cannot pick grapes from a thorn bush. You pick grapes from the grape tree. So it will be known that this is a grape tree. Matthew 12, 33, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by its fruit. So the tree is talking about human, us. We need to produce good fruit. We need for the blessing of God to manifest in our lives, for others to testify. Yes, that family is being blessed by God. The key, make the tree good. If we're willing for God to make our lives, to process our lives, to make this tree to be a good tree. Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. It will manifest because God put you on a hill. That's why many people say, look at that Christian. Well, we as a follower of Christ, we follow Christ and God puts us as the light of the world. Let that light shine by us serving the Lord with fear, by us knowing the priority of the presence of God living with us. Amen. Let's have the musicians come forward and let's prepare our hearts. Let's sing above all power. You are above everything, Lord. And let us all stand up together while we can also prepare the communion. <laughs>